What's going on, guys? I'm Alex. Welcome to another episode of the BSR Show. We are the Black Series Rebels. With me, as always, is my boy, Stephen Ellis. Hey, Alex. How are you? <laughs> and we are keeping the month of rad going with some more rad interviews this episode. Boy, oh boy, do we have somebody special. The beautiful composer the john williams to our black series rebels <laughs> truly truly with us is tony thaxton yay hi guys thanks for having me long time coming i Very feel like time. we had you scheduled and then you're like hey i have to go tour with motion city soundtrack so i can't come do your show <laughs> yeah and you know what you know what though let's uh i can't say you know even though it's a bummer to back out uh I'm so glad that I did that tour because, believe it or not, that tour was in 2020. (laughs) (laughs) You just, you guys really talk about pulling it off quick and in the clear. Yeah, this year started out so promising. I feel like it started out promising, and I feel like right now we're we're entering the third act. I think we might be through the low point, and it feels like we might be getting better. There's still some shit going on. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I don't know. It yeah. feels it like feels... a horror movie where the killer has already been killed, and we're still 30 <laughs> minutes after the goddamn killer died. <laughs> well, it's like when you watch a movie, and it's like you think it's over, and then you just quickly touch your Apple TV remote, and you're like, ah, oh, shit. There's 45 minutes left of this fucking thing. There's nothing good can happen from here. So, Tony, this this month we are talking about this philosophical idea of rad. And we, we've interviewed a couple of folks. And we just, I think the, the best way to kind of start the conversation off as we go into this sort of weird, windy conversation is when you hear the word rad, like, what does that word mean to you besides the obvious, oh, it means cool? What, 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 do, you, what do you hear? When you, when I say rad, uh, well, all right, I'm probably going to be a really lame guest for this month. I should have said that ahead of time, probably. But <laughs> I'm I'm an old man, and I feel like uh, you know, I uh, for me, I don't I don't know that I've ever like used the word rad all that often. Maybe when I was younger, I did. <laughs> uh, and and that's not a judgment. I don't mean like I'm too good for that word. I just it just was never really uh, too much in my vocabulary. But it, it does. It just kind of overall makes me. I know it's a a very heavily used word these days, but it it does just kind of still make me think of of the '80s and like specifically the first thing that comes to mind for me is Pee Wee's Big Adventure when he falls off the bike and the little kid. Just goes radical. <laughs> <laughs> Might be the greatest answer we've gotten so far. Yeah. So when you hear rad, you think of the moment in Pee Wee's Big Adventure where he goes radical. Uh, yeah. Well, that's so funny because, you know, we had uh, our, our last guest, Mav, is a stand up comic. And Mav was talking a lot about like this idea that rad, rad to Mav was like being the most pure, truest form of yourself. So in in a way, you kind of mentioned, well, I'm kind of the lame guest in a, but I see, I don't know that that's true. And I would challenge you because I think on its surface, rad is cool, right? But I think if you really distill it down, it's more about the things that you love and they they trigger this sensation in you. So I know this about you just because I'm a big fan of your work and we've become friends through the Star Wars community. I know there are things that you are interested in that I would consider to be rad. Like sure. when did you get into playing drums? Let's just start there. Like when did you become a drummer? Because it's kind of funny that you say you're lame and then you're also this kick-ass fucking drummer in a band. So when did you start playing drums? Yeah. Well, first off, it's it's just it's funny. I, I think like yeah, people people know like oh, if you're you're in a band and and even even on top of band stuff, I feel like I do. I've been very lucky to get to do a lot of fun and interesting things. I I, I always tell people I feel like I'm I'm a very boring person that has had a very cool life. <laughs> um, so, but to answer your question. Uh, I kind of have always been playing drums. I literally do not remember a time in my life when I was not playing drums. Uh, my dad played drums. Uh, and so he was in a cover band, uh, when I was growing up. And, uh, so he was always playing on the weekends and sometimes, um, 
you know, if it wasn't just like a bar or something, if they were playing some sort of weird thing I could go to, I was, I was at their, their, uh, their shows on the weekends occasionally. And so I just kind of grew up around, I'll be at a cover band, but gr- grew up around a band. And, uh, and, and where so, did you grow up? Uh, originally I lived in a very small town in Michigan, right on the Michigan and Indiana border. Okay. Um, not the most exciting of areas. Um, see, but uh, when I hear like Mich- on the border of Michigan and Indiana, I see Spielbergian like kids on BMXs, Am- suburbia, like, like maybe like you get your skateboarder magazine or like your Fangoria <laughs> or like whatever, like Rolling Stone. And you're kind of looking at this, like all the possibilities were you a were you a dreamer as a kid uh a little bit you, you know I, I wish i could say yes but i don't know how much i was i i definitely always wanted to play music like i drums were always like kind of the thing like that i felt like okay this this makes sense to me i i i know how to do this and this is something i enjoy and i know it feels comfortable to me. And so just, I don't know, just life just kind of like took me down that path. You know, it took some swerves here and there, but, um, but yeah, it's funny. I, I did think of this earlier today on, on the rad note and this sort of backs up with me, uh, not being very cool, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because literally, and you, and perfectly, you mentioned skateboarding. Uh, I, I was still to this day, I've never really, gotten into skateboarding Mm. um but there was a brief window when i was pretty young um (laughs) go on and and (laughs) as a result of of seeing back to the future in the theater again because i'm i'm old and uh and the only skateboard i ever owned in my life was literally just this this crappy like giant skateboard that my mom literally bought at a drugstore (laughs) <laughs> and and I I believe it literally said Alpha BMX on it. Amazing. <laughs> and it came from the local drugstore. Alpha and, BMX on a skateboard yeah. is kind of the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and so the, you were pl- but you were playing drums at a young age. Did you have like a kit? Were you in marching band or were you like rock and roll into rock and roll music at a young age? Um I was into rock at a at a young age. Yeah, I had so I had a little drum set, like a little kid drum set for a long time. And it, that started out as just me kind of, you know, being a kid, just hitting it, whatever. And over time, it started turning into actually being able to play beats. And uh, um, so that just sort of morphed over time. And then I did I did hit a weird point, though, where I, I outgrew the little kid drums that I had. And... Uh, my dad had his drums, but he was always playing on the weekends, so he never really had his drums at home set up or anything. So there was kind of a period where I wasn't playing very much. I was still into it, but I just I had several years where I was I was too big for the little drums I had, and my dad's drums weren't at home, and I didn't have any other drums. Uh, and then my family moved to Richmond, Virginia, when I right when I was about to start high school, and then my dad was no longer in a band and we brought the drums with us set them up at the house and then i just you know never i I was yeah never like that's when i got super super into it because i was the new kid and and i didn't have any friends yet so i was just playing drums all day was there music at the time that you remember like new music at the time that you remember listening to and being like i'm gonna figure out and learn the drums to this during during that period and when i was about to start high school yeah uh yeah that was let's see in that point that would have been like uh definitely like you know a a spring uh, there was definitely a mix of cool stuff and not so cool stuff like i i was definitely like some nirvana and some pearl jam and things like that because they were this would have been 1992 so like you know that was like the heyday for Mm. for that uh, but then, you know, uh, so I was playing along to a lot of that stuff, but then also a lot of, uh, that 90s stuff that hasn't been looked back on so fondly, like definitely playing along to a lot of spin doctors okay. and uh, okay. things of that nature. <laughs> okay. 45 minutes later, if you, 
Spawn uh-huh. go bip, baby. <laughs> 65 minutes later, just go ahead now with if you like, why did you give Tony the drum set? He's been jamming on spin doctors for six hours. <laughs> So, not a okay. bad drum song, though. Now, Come were on. you? <laughs> I don't know drums well enough, but that w- I would love it if the Spin Doctor song ends up being like the quint- quintessential drum track, like <laughs> the way every guitar player has to learn "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Everyone's got to learn fucking Spin Doctors on the drums. Now, when you were a kid, were you also? Because I know you're a you're a, also a cinephile. Like you love movies. You mentioned Back to the Future. Obviously, we bonded over our love of Star Wars. Oh yeah. Was were you like? an introvert in the sense that you were kind of always absorbing pop culture and music, or is that something, if, did you kind of discover your love of cinema as you aged or did, you know what I'm saying? Was there a balance between those two things when you were younger? What were you more into as a kid, music or movies? Kind of all of it. Uh, that's, that's, that's a good question actually of which I was more into. Um, Cause like I, it's kind of all that stuff was like always a pretty big part of my life. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, I, as we said, star Wars has always been, I was born in 78. So star Wars was already out and you know, that was kind of, again, prime time for, for yeah, yeah. star Wars and, you know, had pretty much all of the figures and like, that was my childhood. Like thinking back on, on childhood toys and stuff like, there was hardly anything outside of Star Wars. I had a ton of Star Wars toys and then a few other things, but it was like all Star Wars. Um, but uh, did you yes. want this uh, salacious crumb figure or this spin doctor? <laughs> You're just like, do not know. make me pick. Do, <laughs> do not. not I'll throw in. Pick. I'll throw in the ugly kid Joe CD too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is that is definitely one that was going on there as well. There's definitely a video of of uh, my sister and I lip syncing to "I Hate Everything About it's You." The first CD I ever owned. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as ugly as they want to be, is that what that was called? Yeah, and I just remember now that I'm an adult, thinking back on because I remember I played like Santa Claus for uh-huh. some other like lower grade kids or something. And or I was like a big brother. I don't know. Anyhow, someone I did something good, gave me a warehouse music gift certificate. It was the first time I'd ever gotten a gift certificate. And over holiday break, I you know, my, I made my mom take me to the warehouse. And I, I remember I got my large cardboard box with Ugly Kid Joe on it. And in the front, it's a cartoon of like a fat kid, like with beer behind his ba- his back and flipping off. And uh-huh. just, to this day, I still go. I can't believe my mom bought me that. That's so like. So, like clearly she didn't even look at it right 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 yeah i remember having those th- those same kind of thoughts of yeah because i was again i was never like a rebellious kid so like i remember same thing like having that and kind of being like oh she must not have, have yeah. noticed the cover so i'm gonna kind of keep this hidden I'm gonna have to hide this under the mattress <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, th- I remember the first cd that i purchased for myself I was like, oh, I'm going to like this was a a clear I was watching MTV with a friend and decided I want this CD, which would have been Nimrod by Green Day. I'm I'm definitely I'm the youngest one on the podcast. So you got to give me a little bit of slack here. So I remember buying that record and I left it in my dad's CD player in his car. And because he only would, he only really liked to listen to Time of Your Life because it was on the Seinfeld finale. (laughs) And I left it in his car. And I remember he came in and he was like, Alex, you left that CD in my, uh, my stereo. And I was like, oh shit, I'm fucked. (laughs) He he definitely heard all the bad words on that. And he just goes, it's pretty good. And I remember thinking that is like being the ultimate sort of like validation of my taste. That's a a rad, that's that's a rad dad moment. (laughs) My dad was like, it's pretty good. Here you go. And I'm like, Yes, like go into my room, turn it on. In a weird way, you'd think if I was a rebellious kid, I'm like, well, that goes in the trash. I got to go find (laughs) something else to listen to. You know, Tony, the reason why I asked, like, was it movies or music? You know, when I was younger, I I was I played in bands in high school. We're fucking terrible. We're just bad. And in 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 a way, I sort of had to take my love of the idea of being in a band and sort of apply it to the film industry when I moved out here. Uh-huh. And 
one of the things I always loved about being in a band was this idea that you're like hanging with your friends and you're sort of living this, like you're like a little pack of like your buddies and you travel around the country and you get to do what you love. Did you feel rad when you were touring with your band? Like, I know that's like, it sucks to talk about yourself, but like, what was that like? Cause that must've just felt fucking awesome. I, I do remember the first tour I ever went on. Um, and this was with my, my old band before motion city. Um, and I can remember, I think the first show of the tour was, you know, only like two hours away from home, but like, and it was a place that like we even kind of played regularly, but like, instead of driving home back two hours after that show, we were staying the night there and then on to the next city. And I remember even just that first night kind of like talking to uh, Matt, who's the bass player in that band and also in Motion City and is also my best friend. Uh, I, I can remember kind of just like about to go to bed that night and just being like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like, I can't believe like we just did that. And then we're doing this every night for the next two weeks or whatever it was. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely very exciting, but also it is, um, I don't know what word I want to use um, because it, I feel like maybe enough people don't talk about the reality of it. Those like, especially when you're a small band and For it's like sure. your first couple tours, like, Oh yeah. Those, those shows you're playing are, are not good. Yeah. Like, you're, you're excited to just be out and doing it, but like you're lucky to play to five people sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. You're playing basement shows and you're playing uh, just like these terrible dive bars and that no one is there. And, um, so yeah, it's it's a mix. It's like, oh, this is really fun, and I'm getting to see parts of the country I've never seen before. But also, uh, you know, I'm super gross and disgusting, and need a shower, and I've barely slept. And uh, yeah, we've played to 20 people total after a, a week of shows. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I I can relate in a weird way. When I moved to Los Angeles, one of the first jobs I was really by like vying for that I really wanted was I wanted to perform for the second city on cruise ships. I was mm -hmm. like, I want to do, I want to get paid to do improv and sketch by the company that I admire most, which is the second city. And uh -huh. they had auditions to go do cruise ships. And I was like, this is fucking great. It's going to be like a, I'm going on vacation for five straight months. And then like the reality sets in that you live on a boat in a dorm room by yourself. <laughs> you don't know anybody and you're making drunk people from Jersey laugh every single week with the same <laughs> jokes about a boat. So I can totally relate to that sort of like once the reality sets in on activities like that, you're like, Oh, this is brutal. This is fucking absolutely brutal. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a weird thing, but it, you know, your, your hope is just that like, okay, you know, you, you do this and then you hope that like maybe one of the people at the show, like might come up to you and be like, Hey, I book shows at this other place or I play in this other band and we have a good following here. And next time you guys come to town, you should play with us. And, and so, you know, that's always like the hope is like, you can just, uh, someone sees you that maybe yeah exactly and it just gets a little bit better each time you come back that's the that's the hope anyways i feel like that's the that's the realistic goal to go for i think so what was it about motion city that when you, obviously that wasn't your first band that you toured with but eventually you would you know begin playing in motion city what was it about that band was there some sort of like you know, for, for for no pun intended, but like something electric that happened in that band specifically, where you felt like a collective sort of uh, connection between that group of guys playing in that band that you where you started to go, oh, like this is how this is supposed to feel. This is right. Uh, well, it it kind of took a little bit of time to get there. I think. Um, so. So actually, the the band I was in before that, um, we did actually it was on our second tour that we ever did. We played a show at this 
tiny place in a town called Milton, Pennsylvania. <laughs> and it was with the then lineup of very early Motion City soundtrack. Uh, and it was their first ever tour. And so we, you know, we became friends that night and uh, future tours like we went to Minneapolis and they they hooked us up with a show. They came to Virginia. We hooked them up with a show and we just kind of stayed in touch. And, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't like saying things like this about myself, but I'm going to uh, I'm just going to be give my honest answer here. It's the month of uh, rad. It's the month of <laughs> rad. Just do it. So they, so my, my, my old band broke up and I wasn't quite sure what I was doing with my life at that point. Um, and not long after that band broke up, uh, that version of motion city, their drummer left the band. Long story short, I ended up there. It, there's way more to it, but eventually I ended up joining and my th- thought was and i'm just gonna be honest i felt like they had some good songs there but i felt like the i thought the ideas were there but the execution maybe wasn't great yet Mm -hmm. and uh this is this is the part i don't like saying but i'm just like i feel like i could make this better so yeah. it, how, uh, how I have to ask though, because being like a new member into a band, it, it, is it hard to kind of be the new guy that comes in and then sort of figures out how to arrange what's there? Like, well, see, I'm not, I'm not going to say I was necessarily like rearranging right. things, but I, I felt like I just, yeah, again, my, my, my honest opinion was the band was pretty sloppy and i felt like i was not sloppy and i thought maybe because i've seen a lot of bands over the years where i think like that's a good band but that drummer is not so good and i'm not i'm not saying this as in their old drummer wasn't good right there there was more to it than that um but i just was like i i feel like this this is close to being something and i i I feel like I could help get it there. And then, but really what the, the secret weapon was, cause it wasn't just me right at the same time, Jesse, our keyboard player joined the band. Uh, because before that, Justin, our singer was playing guitar and keyboards. Um, so he joined at the same time as me, but then the real secret weapon was a few months down the road. Uh, Matt, who I spoke of earlier, our, the bass player for my old band, he then joined and that was like really the final piece that uh, really was what we needed because he's a great bass player, great. Uh, just he can he's good with coming up with piano parts too if things are needed, and he's great for harmonies and all this stuff. So like he really was the 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 thing that kind of I think really got it all together for us. Well, it's interesting to me because you're a drummer. And again, I'm no expert on the roles and the complications of being in a modern band. But I mean, a, I feel like one of the drummer's main goal, besides the obvious to keep rhythm, is to keep things tight. So it would it would make sense that you would say, well, the thing that I would like to contribute here is the sense of tightness, right? The sense mm-hmm. of like, if, we, if everything is tight, it's sharp, it's uh, connected, and all the little pieces are where they belong. You felt like that would elevate that group. And I, I'll gush, right? I'm I, bef- what I said this to you right when I met you. I'm actually a very big fan of Motion City Soundtrack. I grew up Thank on you. Motion City Soundtrack. There, you guys were very much one of my favorite bands growing up. And I know the same thing for Alex from Star Wars Explained. He's also a very big Motion yeah, City he, soundtrack He came band. out to our uh, our show in Atlanta earlier I know. this year. Nice. I feel yeah. like I don't remember what I was doing, but I was I think I, we 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 were doing PUBG Steve. Yeah, that's what was going on. I think we were we were on that job so we couldn't I was like I just don't think I can go. Yeah. Um and one of the things that I always loved about Motion City was it drew influences from a lot of the music that I loved, but also didn't sound like a lot of the other bands that were popular at the time. 
I always, I find myself really being drawn to things that sound different from what everyone else was listening to. And I think at the time it was sort of the like post hardcore taking back Sunday, the brand new of it all, this sort of like, it's not, we're not screaming and yelling yet, but we're mm. definitely very angry. We're a very, mm. a very angry <laughs> bunch of people. And I remember being really drawn to motion city because I just felt like there was this, it was kind of speaking to a kid like me. Was that a conscious effort or is that just something that naturally came from motion city? Uh, I want to say it just naturally came. I can't totally speak for everybody, especially Justin who writes all the lyrics. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I definitely can't speak for him. It may have been more of a conscious thing on his part. I don't, I can't confirm or deny that. Uh, but I think overall, like really, most of the stuff we did, we kind of just, I think we just sort of viewed it as like, we're just going to write stuff that we like. And if other people like it, great. You so know? It, it took a while to get here, but now I'm going to compliment you and say, that's rad. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> like the whole, in my opinion, that's exactly the definition of what it is. It's we're going to do what we like. And if we make it for ourselves, people will be drawn to it. And I think that applies to all great art. A lot of the stuff that we love that we can riff and riff and riff. But George Lucas was just making his version of something he liked, right? right? Motion City is just doing the thing that they like, right? Black Series Rebels is just kind of, oh, we like pop culture podcasts, but we also like skateboarding and all this stuff. So let's smash it all together into this weird Frankenstein of stuff we like. Is there stuff that you liked as a kid that you appreciate more as an adult that you would consider to be incredibly rad or maybe even vice versa? Stuff that you didn't mm. like that you now love? Hmm. What a question. That's a good, uh, now we're getting into radness as an adult. This is yeah. a, a philosophical <laughs> conversation about the dumbest fucking adjective ever. Right. Uh, no, I mean, there, there are definitely a ton of things that I liked as a kid that I still love as an adult, you know, Star Wars being probably the biggest one. Um, I, yeah. Okay, well, now I'm going to bring it back to how not cool I am uh, <laughs> because a very strange thing has happened to me in these last few months of Go being uh, stuck alone at home. <laughs> uh, and th this this is going to sound maybe even different than I mean for it to. I have weirdly started appreciating old country music <laughs> oh interesting <laughs> but, but like don't give me, i'm not i don't mean old as in like i i i hate all the like 90s and be like the beginning Garth of Brooks the pop yeah 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 but like going i don't know it start. i think like a merle haggard <laughs> yeah like even like some even i weirdly if i'm there's a specific statler brothers song i keep finding myself <laughs> listening to again i this is not cool but uh, there's something about uh, some of that older stuff where I'm like, this is, I can kind of get behind this. It's not the like cliche, corny. Uh, I mean, there's some corniness still there in a lot of it, but uh, what it kind of has become, I, I can't stand a lot of that stuff that almost seems like a cliche, like almost like a parody of itself, like where it's all about beers and trucks and stuff like that. Dogs and all that. Um, yeah. Shall we expect. Um, uh, you know the CMAs were tonight or last night. Shall we? Uh, <laughs> shall we expect the Motion City soundtrack concept <laughs> country album next uh, year, twenty twenty one? I, I, uh, I can safely say no. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I, and okay. I'm, I'm, I feel like I can fairly safely say I'm probably only one, the only one uh, having this weird phase right now. <laughs> I, I, I did not see this coming. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that that is a you know i'm just giving you the honest answer of something that uh maybe because again my dad was in that cover band as a kid so some of these songs like the statler brothers and stuff like that uh i knew growing up like heard it so many times and then i don't even know what led to it but uh 
some things just sort of you know those those late night YouTube rabbit holes. Uh, oh yes. and yeah, that's how that's how I got there. And not gonna lie, I was I was doing it uh, before I joined you guys tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, we're in like this this hellscape that is the pandemic and coronavirus and. I think everybody's quickly realizing just how good we had it, you know, in 2019. And uh, you said that, you know, Motion City did that awesome reunion tour in early 2020. What what did that feel like to to go on stage and play some of these older songs and see that a lot of this music still resonates with people today? Because I know you posted some really amazing videos on your social media. I was like, damn, that's got to feel really, really, really great. It was like, you know, we were we were all looking forward to it, uh, but it was beyond all of our expectations. Um, the crowds, you know, I, I think the, the it was like three and a half years since the last show. And uh, the time off was I not only good for us, but I think it was also good for our fans because... Mm they just seemed way more excited to see us again because we used to tour so much that like in a way we've, we've talked about this where like in a way it, it, we kind of, we got any success that we had was because we toured our asses off. You know, we never had like radio play or things like that, but, um, but also we toured so much that like, it maybe sort of hurt us at times because, you know, I, I feel like maybe sometimes we would come to town and then people are like, Oh, well, they'll be back in two months. I'll, I'll go to the next one, mm. you know? Uh, so all that time off, I feel like, you know, there was that time of like, this is exciting for everybody again. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was really, really great. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I I think we we felt good about how it was going to go, but I think all of the shows were much bigger and like than we thought they were going to be. I I can specifically remember going into the venue that we played in Philly. Uh, I remember walking in because it was a venue we'd never played, uh, and I remember seeing the place. I was like, "Wow, this uh, this is a big room." It's like they're oh, so they're going to like curtain off the the balcony or whatever and. Uh, like I was like, uh, no, it's it uh, sold out tonight. Like, wait, even that too? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's been sold out for a while. Like, oh, oh, okay. Um, so it was a lot of that where it's like, oh, this room seems too big, and then we get there and it actually was sold out, and then everybody's singing along to every word, and and uh, it was it was really, uh, you know, it sounds corny to say, but it really was just like a a special experience. It was, it was only just around a month long. And uh, I think that's kind of like the perfect length as well, Mm. because, you know, it's a good amount of time to be gone, but also at the same time, you don't get to that point where you're just like, Oh, I just can't wait to go home. It was, it was nice because it had been a while and then it wasn't too long. You know, there's an end date and you're going to go home and just like, I think it, it just made us all, appreciate everything a lot more um yeah it was it was amazing and i i was i know we all left feeling great and uh and then the rest of the year happened (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i think that you know, just uh, I'll, i'll say it one more time i'm i'm one i'm really bummed that i missed that uh miss that show that would have been awesome to celebrate with everybody but i'm sure that hopefully music will come back and maybe at some point motion city will bl- will bless the stage again once uh people can be in the same room again i, I do want to ask you about some of your albums just because i'm curious is there is there a motion city album that sticks out to you as one that you're particularly proud of yeah um i think over time you know those things sort of like change over time sure uh i think currently where i sit um even if it kills me our third record Mm -hmm. is kind of the one that uh i find myself being like 
yeah, I really, I really like that one. I mean, I'm, I'm proud of all of them, but, uh, oh yeah, but yeah, that's, that's the one that I feel like, uh, it's hard to pick a favorite child when you invest yeah. a lot of time and energy and I'm sure, you know, you're always in a different place whenever you're making an album. So it really just depends on what your mood is in that moment and how you're feeling in any particular, cause you're looking back on these things with some level of nostalgia, I'm sure as well. Right. You, you kind of, Oh, yeah. I know that if I watch, if I read something that I wrote or watch something that I directed or created, that's like, you know, two, three years old, I watch it go, Oh yeah, no, I'm not in that same place right now. That's not mm -hmm. really where I am. So I'm sure it's probably interesting, uh, a fun exercise to go back into some of those, some of those older records and kind of remember. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe how long ago some of that stuff is now again it just it makes me feel very old and it's like <laughs> some, some of it feels it's it's that thing of we're thinking back on it some of it feels like it just happened and then other parts feel like it was forever ago now i know uh, most people at home listening would probably say oh yeah my dream job would be to tour in a band or be a director or be a writer is there something now that you've sort of transitioned uh, is there something that you're like kind of looking at as being like what the next rad step would be for tony is it is it new music i know you do uh cloud city soundtrack and uh, you have your podcast is there anything specific that you're like oh man it would be rad to like get into directing or writing comedy um well yeah the um i i feel very 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 lucky because um, I had actually, I had left motion city for a few years, um, in 2013 and I came back when we were doing a final tour, which, you know, now of course wasn't the final tour, but, uh, I came back for that in 2016. And then again, we did this tour this year. Um, so I had this, when I first left the band, uh, that was for, I was just like really burned out and I was really depressed and I was just not in a good place. And I just, I needed to stop for mm -hmm. my own mental health. Uh, and I had no idea what was next for me. And it took me a very long time to get anywhere with knowing what the hell I was going to do next. Yeah. Um, I was still playing some here and there, but uh, over time, um, cause I'm, I'm a big comedy nerd also. And, and kind of because of that, I was listening to a ton of podcasts and then, um started kind of getting into that like um uh, i started doing one on my own a few years back that was just this this goofy christmas thing for fun and then you know was having some of my comedian friends come on there and i think through that uh people started going like okay he knows how to do this side of of this stuff and then eventually over time uh i've become a podcast producer for myself, but also a lot of other people. And I feel really lucky that I've been able to transition from one career that I really liked to a new career that I really like. Um, I don't know how I didn't know this about you. What are some of the shows that you produce? Uh, well, I have my, my own show, Bizarre Albums. Yes, yeah, so I know uh, Bizarre Albums. It's, I yes. love, it's a great show. Uh, thank you. Um, but then I, I produce the Allison Rosen is your new best friend show. Um, the, I'm currently also working on Jen Kirkman, no fun podcast. Uh, the don't stop her will die literally just launched a podcast today called song a week. I also play drums in that band. Um, and Andrea Savage has a podcast. I do her show. We're between seasons right now. Um, those are are those all the ones I'm doing regularly? But yeah, and, uh, there's also a handful of others that I like. Sometimes friends uh, are busy or double booked or something, and I'm kind of like the backup guy for a lot of shows. And, <laughs> backup um, guy, yeah. Come in and just make it tight. <laughs> yeah. I come in and go, like, hey guys, I know I'm only off for this one episode. Shit's pretty sloppy, but we're gonna get this tight. <laughs> I'm coming in. You called the man. You called the right person for the job. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, um, you know, I just wanted to say, I think it's really cool that you have sort of found a fun new avenue to sort of take your passion and your creativity into. And I think that is something that a lot of people, you know, there so many people will reach out to us and say, Oh, how do you start a podcast? How do you do this? How do you do that? 
how do you, you know, where do you get your t-shirts made? How do you get your hats made? And everyone's always very curious. And one of the things that Steve and I kind of pride ourselves on is we kind of will help only a little bit. And it's not because we're jerks. It's because we want, we want people to like do the little extra step. Well, like, mm-hmm. go ahead, Steve. Well, I think, you know, not to toot our own horn or anything, and it's not like we're, you know, we have crazy numbers, but when we first, first started doing BSR, like, we didn't know how to do a podcast. We didn't really even, like, we just sort of, I don't know, we didn't we didn't know that there were any rules or a model or this is mm-hmm. how you do it or this is how, and, like, we just kind of did our own thing in terms of sort of like what you said in regards to with Motion City and, and sort of just like, yeah. we're just going to do our thing and if people watch it, cool, and if people don't, like, whatever. I think that's that's really key to a lot of things. It, I feel like there's so many so many ideas people have when when you have the mindset of like, oh, people are gonna love this. Like then you're just like you're putting too much into that, and then that's when you tend to be disappointed. And when you when you start doing something for yourself, because I mean the same thing with bizarre albums. When I started making that show, that literally just came of an idea because I found myself going down these again these youtube rabbit holes or even just wikipedia or whatever reading these weird facts about these weird records and i was like i wish somebody i wish there was i was like there must be like a a podcast about this type of thing and then i looked and i was like wait it doesn't seem like it's there and uh i was like i would want to hear this so i just started making the show that i wanted to hear and people have responded to it so for the for the folks listening at home not to put you on the spot but what's like what's the base level pitch for bizarre albums because it's a great show i love it thank you uh well yeah they're just they're quick 15 20 minute episodes um and every episode explores uh albums that make you kind of just go why does this exist yes Uh, they're (laughs) albums that were released by like actors athletes fictional characters (laughs) uh sometimes when 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 a band just took like a really weird left turn that's like what this isn't anything like anything they've ever done um so yeah and i just do a ton of research as to like what what the deal was like why how and why did this happen well, and I'm did. never making fun of them or anything. I literally am just fascinated by it, and I want to, I want to know more about it. Is it Simpsons Christmas? Is that the one I remember that you did? It was like they have a weird Christmas or sing the blues or something. Oh yeah, Simpsons. There's a sing- Simpsons one. Yeah, that was my the second episode I did. Yeah, Simpsons sing the yes. blues. Yeah, that's a that's a weird record. I think the weirdest thing about that was that because uh, I if i'm remembering correctly that came out in 1990 it was like right at the start of season two so like the simpsons was it was kind of this phenomenon that got popular really quick but you know i think as as most of us know it wasn't good yet (laughs) so yeah it's kind of weird that it was like that big that like as season two started, they're already like putting this album out and that's what had like do the Bart man on it. And that was like actually Steve a loves do the Bart man. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have it on tape off of MTV. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just, I, I just, uh, I, I love that weird stuff. Uh, Cause again, I would, uh, I would just find myself on these late night uh, things where I, I would, either stumble into something I had forgotten about or maybe didn't even know about and just stumble into. And and then, uh, then, then I'm doing Google searches trying to figure out like, what's the deal. And I would always be blown away when I found out like, wait, so-and-so produced this or so-and-so played on this. Like I'm always, it's crazy how many really legit people are involved in these weird ass records. So I'm going to butcher what the album was, but just because our show used to be a Star Wars show, (laughs) you, you, you broke down a, it was like a jazz fusion Star Wars record, right? The the disco record. Yeah. The disco record. Uh Uh-huh. This, I had no idea this was a thing. Oh, really? So so I I had no idea. And this is what got me hooked on your show. It's like, this is fucking wild what is this thing so for our folks at home like what so give them like what is the deal with the star wars disco record uh so it's this dude uh i believe his full name was uh 
Domenico Menard or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but he goes his his like name he goes under is Miko M E C O, and um, he was just like a musician. I believe he was a trombone player, but uh, a, a musician. Um, and when Star Wars came out, he was like seventy seven right away. He saw it a ton of times in the theater, was super obsessed with it, and really loved the score. And um, I think I think one of the things he thought was he thought that that main theme was really great, but he was like, oh, but that could never be a hit. But then it, weirdly, like it actually kind of was a hit. <laughs> but then he and then this, you know, 77. So this is also like the height of, of disco. And he just kind of has this idea to like do these disco versions of the music from Star Wars. And uh, I think, uh, again, this was, I did this episode like over a year ago. So I've, I'm forgetting some of the facts uh, off the top of my head. But I believe, you know, he even kind of gets the okay from, from Lucasfilm that he can do this. Doesn't get all the, like, uh, not enough of an okay that they give him like official sound effects. So he's doing a lot of synthesizer stuff to try and do some like R2 sound effects and stuff. <laughs> but, um, but the record comes out and it's in its, big like it actually goes to number one and <laughs> does really well and then that eventually leads to um the i think it was 1980 because i did an episode on this too he that same guy then ends up doing the star wars christmas album that came out in 1980 that one's not disco but that's uh if you're not familiar with that record uh Check it out. I'm <laughs> <laughs> there with that one. Uh, check it out. Uh, truly, though, for for people listening at home, check out Bizarre Albums because it really yeah. is a fun. It what I love about it too is it's a different it's a different pace from a lot of the other podcasts, right? Like it's nice to get like concise, shorter, fun, quick jumps through these fun stories and like you want to tune into it every week because it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, oh that sounds interesting. I want to learn about this bizarre album. Like I got to check this out. Now we were a star Wars show. We're not a star Wars show anymore. However, once in a blue moon, we do get a star Wars fan on, and we used to do a star Wars questionnaire mm -hmm. on this show. Now, because you had to go tour with Motion City Soundtrack and you weren't able to come on the Star Wars show, we were going to quickly rapid fire the Star Wars questionnaire with you just to to get to 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 pull the episode out. So, all right, we always it. start with the easiest question: What is your first memory of Star Wars? Ooh, you know that should be easy, but I don't I don't have one because I was just. I, I don't have a memory. It's like drums. I don't have a memory of it not being a part of my life. Like it's just was always there. So like, um, but also there was a different time. Like it, you couldn't just watch it anytime. Like you can now, like it had to come on TV or, or maybe you'd go rent it or something. Uh, so I wasn't necessarily seeing it a ton, but I had, I had the majority of the action figures. I didn't have as many of the ships, but I had most of the figures. And so kind of that, I mostly just kind of think of the toys. And specifically, I can even, one thing that does come to mind then when I think of the toys is uh, having the Dengar figure and Dengar. Having, having no <laughs> clue who he was, though. This guy's tight. He looks <laughs> yeah. so grumpy. Like I, I know, not even having like the memory of like getting it as a gift or even like going to the store with my parents and buying it. Just like it, in with all the other figures and like who is I like just thought it was like it's just like a GI Joe figure that ended up in my toys. Yeah, and then like years and years later, uh, I think of that first time the I saw a widescreen version of the VHS of. Empire Strikes Back. I was like, oh, that there's, guy. That guy. <laughs> there's that guy. Okay, so what is your favorite Star Wars movie? My favorite, I, you know, I, A New Hope, or as, or as, it sh as we call it, Star Wars. Uh, I think I could still got to go there. That's the one that I find myself like throwing on the most. Hmm. Okay, now this is a rad week and we don't 
and we even back when we were doing the Star Wars show, we don't. It's not a. It's not a bad thing. But what is the what what Star Wars film is like the least likely of the one that you're gonna put on out of all of them? Okay, this is this is gonna infuriate everyone, probably you two and a lot of your listeners. All right, hit me with it. And and again, here's the thing: I love all Star Wars. Even when I don't like Star Wars, I still I like, like Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. Uh, so this is I'm in no way saying it's bad, but it's just literally <laughs> to answer your question of which one am I probably going to put on has the least chance of me putting it on. It's probably Empire Strikes Back. Does that mean it's your least Whoa. favorite? No. Okay. It's, it's just, just I don't know what it is about it. There's just something about I fi- yeah, I I cuz I'll throw all of them on often and that one is usually the least, uh, yeah. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. And I could even go so far as to say I agree with people that think it's the best one. Like, it probably is like the best movie, but I just I don't find it as rewatchable as as the other ones. If we wanted to like deep fake you, we would just cut back to the very beginning of the episode where you're like, I'm lame. I'm super lame. I'm just the lamest guest you've ever had. I hate Empire Strikes Back. It's my least favorite. We're blowing Twitter up next week. <laughs> no, I, I I like it. I think I think it. I mean, what I love about your answer is that you're you're not saying you love you love Star Wars, and I I would find it really hard to believe that you think Empire Strikes Back is a bad movie because it's not but what i love about it is you're saying it's the one i turn to the least it's like there's something about it i just don't particularly like plugging into empire strikes back all right yeah although i guess i should i should give a little a little disclaimer i think though too is i think you even asking that question my my old man brain just automatically goes original trilogy um yes so if if, if we are talking the thing i will say for sure, my least favorite though is Attack of the Clones. There like, we go. That's the answer. Bing, 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 Like that's not even close. Answer. Like people that think Phantom Menace is the worst, I I will argue with them every time. Oh, like, for oh, sure, I would I would join you in that fight, my friend. Uh, you are correct, <laughs> Tony. I haven't done this in a couple episodes, but you get. Woo! You get a Mario coin. Yeah. All right. What is who is your favorite Star Wars character? Uh, again. Kind of a weird answer, but I, I have a soft spot for Jabba. Oh, that's a cool answer. Uh, I think it's, it's uh, go again, goes back to childhood, because my other big love of, of childhood was the Muppets. And I think the fact that he was just this huge puppet. Yeah, uh, this big slobbery worm. Yeah, and I, I remember uh, videotaping the... a. Oh, I forget what it was actually called, but there was a like behind the scenes Return of the Jedi thing that aired on like CBS or something when I was a kid that I taped at the time and watched it so many times. And I just I loved seeing all the behind the scenes stuff of Jabba. And so I think literally just that got it got him for me. All right. Okay. So the opposite of that, who is your least favorite Star Wars character? Who's kind of like, oh, I could take or leave it. Hmm. You know, uh, I you know I could say the obvious answer and say Jar Jar. It's definitely up there. Uh, but I will go. You know what i I'm gonna I'm gonna broaden this to uh, expand on not just least favorite character. I will add every character that was added. And then just the whole thing of the whole Jedi rocks sequence. <laughs> <laughs> that is easily my least favorite thing in any star Wars. movie. Well, it's because it taints your favorite character. It's like, man. Oh man, my guy was so cool. He was, you had Max Rebo jamming on that like little synth pad. Mm-hmm. Everything was chill. And all of a sudden this guy just busts out a fucking number <laughs> right in the middle. Jabba went from a gangster to a wingster. You should do a, <laughs> A five-part series just on Jedi Rocks for bizarre albums, just like bizarre <laughs> song choice. Jedi I Rocks. did, I did do a as uh, a bonus episode for my, but I have put it in the main the main feed now. I did do an episode just on Lapty Neck, uh, 
for anybody that doesn't know that was the original song that was in return of the jedi in that scene and it uh there's some i not not to toot my own horn because i'm not really responsible for this but the stuff i uncovered and doing research about that song there was a lot of fun facts about that song that blew my mind that i had no idea <laughs> so so if you got if any star wars nerds listening look that episode up all right what is your favorite line of dialogue who uh you know it's i feel like uh it's it, again kind of kind of a cliche answer but I love you. I know it's it's pretty it's pretty great. That's that's. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say about the greatest in cinema. Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. <laughs> if you could have any job in the Star Wars universe, any job, what would it be? Like literally, literally, not, in not the, as a like person in, in a movie. Like literally, if the Star Wars universe if, was if, real, if, if it was I, real and Tony Thaxton was there, what would you be doing? Oh man, uh, I'm not gonna say I would be good at it, but I mean, being an X-wing pilot would be pretty damn fun. All right, all right, It'd be pretty rad. Yeah. You don't want to join the Jedi Rocks band? Just tighten things up a little bit, <laughs> just sort of help them tighten shit I mean, up. I'll tell you what: if I if I join that band, we are not playing Jedi Rocks. <laughs> we are like, playing Lopty Neck. You're like you're like Jabba. You're my favorite. This shit is sloppy, dude. <laughs> All right, what job wouldn't you want in the Star Wars universe? Like, you're like oh, I could never do that. Um. I mean, I guess, I mean, stormtroopers look cool, but they're, they're not though. Right. In reality, like they seem like they're, they're pretty, they're pretty bad at their job. Definitely. Although at the same bar. time being bad at a job, maybe I could, uh, maybe that's, that is the job for me. <laughs> I, I was going to say, you don't, I was going to say, you don't want to be the guy that wrote Jedi rocks. <laughs> there you go. Yes. All right. Yes. I changed my answer. <laughs> <laughs> what color lightsaber would you have? Green. I got I got the the soft spot for uh for the Luke green saber. That that's the Jedi is the one I remember seeing in the theater as a kid, so it has a it does have a soft spot for me. All right. Last question. Tony Thaxton is on the bridge in Cloud City in his least watched Star Wars movie, <laughs> Empire of the Strikes Back. Empire of the Strikes Back. The I Empire like that Strikes title. Back. It's a good title. <laughs> Empire the Strikes Back. I feel like there should be an you exclamation your... point. Yep, yep. Empire <laughs> exclamation point. The Strikes Back. You've got your green lightsaber. You're on the bridge. Vader's coming for you. You're like, pew, pew, pew. You're battling. You guys are battling it out. Cuts off your hand. Your green lightsaber falls. You're holding onto the bridge. Vader can say one thing to Tony Thaxton that isn't Luke. I am your father. What is he saying to oh, Tony? Jesus. Uh, oh man, you're putting me on the spot big time here. This is where I, this is where I crumble under pressure. It's the uh, hardest one. Save it for the end. Yes. Uh, Hey man, want to go listen to some Statler brothers? <laughs> <laughs> Right answer. I was gonna say it's just <laughs> silence, and then just off in the distance you hear, and if you want to go, baby, and it just slowly swells. Go ahead now, and if you credits roll. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much for being here, buddy. If the people want to find you online, where can they find you? Uh, I am at Tony Thaxton on Twitter and Instagram, and yeah, my podcast Bizarre Albums comes out every Tuesday, uh, and that's. Yeah, that's available anywhere you get podcasts. Radical. Steve, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rex Manning and uh, look me up for my not-so-hot takes on Letterboxd. You can find me at Alex underscore Backus on Twitter or at Alex Backus on Instagram. I am also on Letterboxd. And once again, let's give it up for Tony as we play his amazing closing <laughs> music for the Black Series Rebels. <laughs> 